This morning's message, I'd just like you to kind of hang on through it until we get to the end. <laughs> All right? Can we, can we, we can do that? We can do that. All right. Well, what is truth? He was betrayed in the garden. What is truth? Proclaiming, I am he, he was arrested. What is truth? Slapped and mocked, he was brought before the high priests. And so I ask, what is truth? Denied three times by Peter. What is truth? Brought before Pilate, what charges do you have against this man? And what is truth? Are you the king of the Jews? What is truth? I have come into this world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And so Pilate asks, what is truth? So this morning I ask you, what is truth? How do you know truth? Where do you look for truth? In our society, in an oprah world where everyone speaks of their own truth, does truth even matter anymore? I say how we understand that truth and how we live that truth and how and what we know about the source of that truth is very, very important. Last Sunday after service, about 100 people joined us in Fellowship Hall to vote on the amendments to the bylaws and the statement of faith. The vote passed by 84 to 8. These bylaws are required legal documents that are meant to protect the church. They establish how we're organized and how we function as a religious corporations. But they're also home to our statement of faith. This morning, I want to talk about the statement of faith, which is the doctrine of the church. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we can gather together and we can, Lord, we can dig into your word. Lord, your word is the source of truth. For you, Lord Jesus, are truth. I ask, Lord, that the words that I would speak would not be my own words. For, Father, in my own way, I only fail. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. That every cell in my body and fiber of my being would scream out the glorious name of Jesus. That, Father, we would get all caught up in that fount of living water. And that is you. Lord, I thank you for each one who is here. And now I ask for soft hearts. I ask that ears could hear and eyes could see. And Lord, I just thank you that we can come before you seeking your face, receiving your hand, and knowing your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Doctrine has had a bad name in the evangelical community because of the potential that doctrine can divide. But let's be clear, folks. Doctrine everywhere divides. Jesus even said this in Luke 12, 51. Skip, do you have 12? 
No, I don't think I gave that to you. I'm sorry. Jesus says, do you think that I came here to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. These are the words of Jesus. Truth divides. The question is, what is your source of doctrine? What defines you? Well, doctrine is simply a belief or a set of beliefs that define how you see the world. So those who say that they don't have any doctrine aren't being honest. In every and any way that we interact with each other and with the world, we are guided by our doctrine. The real question is, what doctrine are you guided by? How do you see the world? What defines you? What defines me? Frank shared that the one scripture that he feels most readily captures the Christian life is Galatians 2.20. Skip, if you can put that up. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Another way to say this is that our Christian life is defined by our character and our convictions. Character is the qualities by which we are defined. Our character is very much tied to our convictions. Convictions are what you believe to be true. And for us here in the church, and I hope for you, that's the divinely established truth. What is it that you are willing to go to the stake to be burned, to protect, or to affirm? Without conviction, character is just free to run. Without convictions that are based upon sound doctrine, strong biblical study, our character will be based upon whatever the world happens to say and whatever you happen to think. This includes, by the way, how you understand holiness and righteousness. So character does not exist in a vacuum. Honor is what we used to think of as closely tied to character. A person who had character was a person of honor, we would say. Honor used to be defined this way. For men, courage. Your word was your bond. Honesty, integrity, manliness. A willing to fight battles, protect your family, your neighbors, your nation. For women, it was chastity, purity, submissiveness, service to family and to others. But that's completely been turned on its head. Men, if we lead and we protect, if we try to be men, somehow we have overstepped our bounds. And women who are pure and submissive to their husbands and making a home, caring for children and, and, and others, are somehow viewed as failing all women. The victors are now seen as oppressors, and we have glamorized victimhood. Honor is being challenged by the world. If we desire to show the world what godliness is, what is truth, we must start with a firm grip on sound doctrine. The pillars of which our faith is built. The stronger we have a grip on that, the better. Can we truly join David in saying how we delight in the law? Skip, put up 1 Timothy. Watch your life and doctrine closely. 
persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Are we truly men and women of honor? So I ask again, what is truth? Now there's a lot of theologies out there. There's a lot of interpretations of the scriptures that you can find in just about any church. But can I be clear here for a second? Only one of those interpretations can be correct. There is only one accurate interpretation of Scripture. There's lots of applications, lots of implications of the Scripture, but there is only one accurate interpretation that has to be true because there can't be a contradiction in the Bible. Therefore, God meant a specific interpretation when he gave us the word. Skip, put up 2 Timothy, please. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. God commends the Bereans for their tenacity on searching the scripture to see if these things were so. We see this in Acts 17. Skip, please put it up. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. They received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if Paul said was true. How about you? I'll tell you that many people come up after service on a Sunday. They'll come to me if I'm preaching, or Tom, or Frank. I know you guys will talk about the sermons in your small groups, or over coffee, maybe in the parking lot. You must say that you like the service because the worship really moved you. Maybe you didn't like the message because Frank's joke fell flat. Very few times, though, do we have anyone search out the Scripture to see if what we're saying is actually true. I want to read that again. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. What the word is telling us here is that noble character comes from what? It comes from searching the scripture for truth. Truth matters. Now we can acknowledge that there are all sorts of beliefs out there But we as a church, we can't believe them all. We can't teach them all, and we certainly can't preach them all. Because they all can't be true. Our job as elders is to bury ourselves in the Scriptures and to prayerfully discern not some new truth, not some truth of our making, not some interpretation that meets your expectations, but to align ourselves with those who have come before us in the history of the church, to be seekers of truth, to be lovers of truth, and to be livers of that truth. Please know, and I hope you'll be comforted by this, we're not accountable as elders to you for what we presented as the statement of faith. We're accountable to only one. And that's Jesus. It's his word. 
If we have wrongly divided his word, we have to answer for that. So what is truth? Is it really enough to just believe in Jesus in some amorphous sense that divorces faith from any particular doctrine about him? Or is doctrine, the content of our faith, really important after all? I think Scripture plainly teaches us that we must be sound in our faith, which is to say that doctrine does matter. I think it matters a lot. Skip 1 Timothy, please. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil, suspicions. Sound biblical doctrine is necessary. It's a necessary aspect of true wisdom and authentic faith. The attitude that scorns doctrine while elevating feelings or blind trust cannot be legitimately called faith at all even if it masquerades as Christianity. It's actually an irrational form of unbelief. God holds us accountable for what we believe as well as how we think about the truth that he has revealed. All scripture testifies to the fact that God wants us to know and understand the truth. He wants us to be wise. The content of our faith is crucial Sincerity is not sufficient. God's word makes it abundantly clear that he wants us to use our minds. And one of the most vital duties facing every Christian, especially in an era such as ours when the church is overrun with contradictory ideas and spiritual confusion, is the duty of discernment. Last week, Frank shared from 1 John 1.5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. That song just kind of really hit home, huh? That means that Jesus is perfect. He is the standard by which all things are measured. He is right all the time. He's absolute truth. As Frank said, if you don't like it, get your own universe. So if we're to know truth, if we are to present truth, If we are to understand truth, then we must start with the person of Jesus Christ. And how to come to the understanding of Jesus? Skip John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we skip over to 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is revealed throughout the word, his word, his Bible. We are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching, Bible-affirming, Bible-church. So our statement of faith, the doctrine of the church, begins where Jesus is. In the Bible, our statement of faith starts this way. The Bible. We believe that the Bible, consisting of the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, was given by divine inspiration 
and his complete and divine revelation of God to mankind and the very word of God. We believe the scriptures are inerrant, infallible, God-breathed, and are the final authority for faith and life. We believe the scriptures shall be interpreted according to the normal grammatical, historical, literal, and contextual meaning. Now the truth is that if we were not in the climate that we are in, we should truly be able to just stand here, raise the Bible, and say, this is our statement of faith. But whether we like it or not, this is the time that we are in. We have to take a stand, because even the very Word of God is under attack. It's under attack from our culture, from our schools, from our own families in some cases, and even from others in the church. When we say that we believe the Bible should be interpreted according to the normal grammatical, historical, literal, and contextual meaning, what we are saying is that we take the Bible seriously. We aren't going to water it down. We aren't going to avoid the parts that make us uncomfortable. It means that we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, and it drives every other doctrine that we have. If what we believe doesn't come from an appropriate biblical interpretation of Scripture, then on what basis are we even building our beliefs? Skip, put up Matthew 7, please. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, that's the Bible, and does not put them to practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. We are called to be biblicists. We are called to be people of the word. We are called to be seekers of truth. And the truth is found in Jesus as revealed in scriptures. Now it's all good to say that we are a Bible church. We may even say that we believe in the literal interpretation of scripture. Generally, no one has an issue with that until there's a belief that's placed before us and we have to look at it up close. One example of how biblical doctrine comes into conflict with a worldly doctrine is on the issue of creation. Genesis 1 states, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. It goes on to tell us that God did this in six literal 24-hour days. We have spoken about that from the pulpit before. God used the word yom, a day. It could mean a period of time. But then he used what's known as an ordinal, first day, second day, third day. And just in case we didn't get it, we're told evening and then morning, a day. For millennia, everybody knew that this was a 24-hour day. So the Bible says it's six consecutive, literal 24-hour days. That's biblical doctrine. You may say that you don't agree. You may say that you don't believe that God created in six literal 24-hour days. 
But the argument is not with me. It's with the text. You can't legitimately argue that the Bible doesn't say that. You can say that you don't believe it. But then you have a secular or a worldly doctrine. The source of your understanding, the source of your belief is outside of the Bible. And besides, I think that you're not even on the side of real evidence. Skip, can you play the video? He said in the Bible, first off, we need to remember that the Bible is actually God's Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. 2 Peter 1.21 says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 states that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it really is the Word of God. So these verses, among others, claim that the Bible is God's Word. But is God's Word true? Well, ponder these propositions properly presented in paraphrased perfection. Psalm 119.160, John 17.17, Proverbs 35, Ephesians 1.13, Colossians 1.5, and Numbers 23.19, just to name a few. These declare God's Word to be true, the Word of truth, the sum of truth, the power of truth, and that He cannot lie. Because of that, the Apostle Paul declares we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. So, according to the Bible, the Christian's ultimate standard, God can't lie, the Bible is God's Word, and God's Word is truth and ought not to be tampered with. Now, let's peek at some of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 to see if he really meant what he said there, okay? Don't murder. Eh, pretty clear. Probably meant that one. What about don't lie? Pretty ironic if he lied about a commandment that forbids lying. Then there's don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't worship other gods, honor mom and dad. Is there really any confusion about these? Sound like poetry to you? These are the Ten Commandments, people, written directly by God. They aren't the Ten Songs, illustrations, or Ten Metaphors, okay? And they're obviously written at face value with clear meaning and purpose. Selah. But what about other scripture that God didn't directly write on special tablets? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now, which part do you think that God didn't really mean? Which part should we discard because somebody says otherwise? Which part is just metaphysical, metaphorical, just a spiritual lesson? I'm going to go out on a limb and say none of it because it's all true historical stuff. So what's my point? What's the big deal? Well, it's this. The same non-poetic, clear, historical, straightforward style used to write the Ten Commandments, the Gospels, Paul's letters, and most of the other scripture is also used in Genesis 1-11. through What's the point? I'll tell you. Some Christians think that section of scripture doesn't mean what it says. I guess because some guys in lab coats told them the earth formed over billions of years and what really happened is completely different from what the Bible teaches. Man's fallible understanding trumps God's infallible word all of a sudden. So I guess that God didn't mean what he said when he had Moses write, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, dot, 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 and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. <gasps> Six days. Now that's the part God must not have meant. Well, just in case you think that, let's shimmy slide over to the very Ten Commandments, which we already established as something God really meant, and take a gander. Exodus 20.11. Right dab in the middle of the fourth commandment, it reads, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. There it is again. Six days. So now what? You're going to believe that God only meant nine and a half of the Ten Commandments? Careful, because Jesus said if you believed Moses, you'd believe me. So if you don't believe God meant what he said in the first few chapters of Genesis, why believe the Ten Commandments or the words of Jesus, the Gospels, or the words of Paul? And if you only believe some of it, how do you know what to pick and choose? Tamper, tamper, people. Now let's get to the bread and butter here, okay? God could have made heaven and earth over billions of years or in six seconds or in 16 hours, or he could have done it by throwing happy dust around or by pulling it out of a giant hat. 
But since he cannot lie and his word is truth, he couldn't have done it any other way than the way he said he did it. Make sense? So this idea that God didn't mean what he said, especially when it comes to how and when he created everything, has been debunked. Adios. I could have, I guess I could have gotten us out of here a lot sooner by just playing the video, praying, and said, adios. We need to be very careful about what we're willing to discard from Scripture when we don't like it, we don't understand it, or it isn't convenient. How strong is your faith when faced with family, friends, co-workers, maybe even your spouse when they ask you to defend the Bible? Can you be unwavering in stating that the Bible is truth, even if it doesn't feel good? even if it means that you have to tell them what, what they are doing is wrong. You may not like that the Bible says there's a literal hell. You may not be happy that the Bible says that homosexuality and adultery is a sin. You may struggle with the biblical roles of men and women or Satan or the depravity of man. But that doesn't change the fact that the Bible says it. If you're willing to discard scriptures you don't like or you don't understand, you need to question where your faith is actually rooted. So what is truth? The Bible tells us that truth is a person. Skip John 14, 6, please. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's the challenge this morning. As the worship team comes up, it's a rather simple question. Who is your truth? Is it you? Is it some politician? Maybe a media personality, an athlete. Maybe it's a scientist, your spouse, or your parent. Is your truth found in whatever and whoever is standing before you? Or is your truth Jesus? I will tell you that the doctrine of this church, the doctrine of my life, and the doctrine of our home is in Jesus. How about you? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, you are the source of our truth. Even when we don't understand it, Lord, and so often we don't, Lord, that's where faith comes in. Trusting that what you have said is right and true because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, I know that there are many amongst us who are struggling with understanding that truth, with accepting that truth, and especially in a society, in a day, in a time in which to stand up and declare that you are truth is somehow viewed as hateful, is somehow viewed as not being loving or kind. 
Lord, I just ask that you would just come and you would make yourself known now. May we all declare with one loud voice that you, Lord Jesus, you are truth. May we find absolute peace and comfort in knowing, Lord, that we are not the source of that truth. And so may you be glorified. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.